0: Greetings from Asia. This week's podcast was recorded with very few issues, despite Jaime being in Honduras, where he usually has some Wi-Fi issues, and me being in Manila, Philippines, where the internet can be quite spotty. But we triumphed over those issues to bring you a show that luckily got delayed by one very eventful day. And I say that because in that one day, yep, we got the Google leak. Google just went ahead and became leakers of their own product, the much-anticipated Pixel 4. With their version of the Square, or to some people, the stove camera design, the Pixel team seems to be applying their impressive algorithmic processing to more than one camera now. It's exciting. All of this news comes after we discuss a few further developments on the US-China trade war, and also Huawei's cancellation of the upcoming Matebook, which made us all a little bit sad, and then some news from E3, including the advent of game streaming by way of Google Stadia. Support for the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast comes from Oregon State University. Earn your Oregon State MBA 100% online in a program that's designed to help you move up or make a career change. You can choose from specialized tracks in organizational leadership, business analytics, marketing, or supply chain and logistics management. Get where you're going faster with the Oregon State MBA. Learn more at mba.oregonstate.edu slash pocketnow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the weekly brought to you by Pocketnow and XDA Developers, recorded on June 14th, 2019, with our hosts coming from various locations around the world. I'm on a vacation of sorts, but I am committed to bringing you the podcast even from abroad. So this week, joining us are Jaime Davetta and tk bay youtube audience you're watching the highlight reel at the moment but you can get the full discussion by listening to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app thank you so much for tuning in all right i know that everyone has heard so much about the huawei stuff over the last number of weeks and the story just keeps building and building but uh, we do have a few things to talk about in terms of Huawei in particular, and then we'll get more into the China-US ban that's happening uh, a little bit later. As far as Huawei in particular is concerned, it seems that we're actually finally getting a casualty of all of these things going on between the US and China. Uh, Huawei has gone ahead and halted their notebook sales, and apparently there was a new MateBook that was on its way, but that now is, I guess for lack of a better term, TBD, and it, it personally, I, if I can just give a quick take on this one, it's that I'm actually pretty sad about it because the MateBook X Pro has been my daily driver, uh, not only this year's MateBook X Pro, but last year's as well. And it has gotten to the point where to to skirt any of the problems that all of these uh, U.S. and China trade problems might be uh, might, might occur, I've actually moved on to a different laptop. So I'm actually using a Razer Blade Stealth right now uh, because I feel like I need to find an alternative to the MacBook X Pro I have been using. Uh, but in any case, uh, because Huawei lost the licenses with Microsoft and Intel, um, this is actually hurting an actual device line that we all seem to really enjoy. So I wanted to know what your guys' thoughts would be on this, just real quick.
1: I'm going to cry. I, I, I'm the, with oh, you. the thing about it is, tell me which other. Okay, if you guys were out there, and you're probably more PC people than I am, where would you get an alternative that's close to the MateBook X Pro? You can't.
2: Uh, I want to say, how? What do you think about the uh, the Yoga books?
1: Oh, uh, okay, okay. And, and that's
2: only because you and I went to that one thing last uh, I think, last year, and we saw a lot of, like, really nice thin devices from, like, Yeah, the,
1: the yoga books are good. All right, yeah. fine, I'll give you that. But it's, it's uh, like, <laughs> it, so it's just a combination of slimness plus the specs. I mean, an eGPU on that chassis uh, exactly. with a, okay, with a water-resistant keyboard, uh I mean, touch display, the
2: display, the quality, the the overall, the bezel.
1: 3K display, water resistant keyboard, a huge trackpad, uh, the worst camera in the world. uh, (laughs) Placement (laughs) of the world, too. Just. (laughs) <laughs> if it wasn't for the nose cam, like uh, which is one of the main reasons why we got this Logitech Brio just for the podcast and everything, but it was mainly because using that computer for podcasting was impossible. Uh, but but other than that, just give me another device that competes.
2: There is none, really. There there is none. the the market itself benefited from having that form factor and the thinness I mean when they first came out with it I was like wow they couldn't top it off then they came up with like the other series right we have the makebook uh, makebook X uh not that just the pro the 13 then there's the yeah, 14 I didn't like the
0: 14 and those, like, those
2: were a little bit more of experiments the Pro really was where it was at and I think even with the updated one the way Josh has it set up with the external GPU it's literally like a full-fledged system that you go home you render you do everything you want to do and it's still strong enough when you're out on the uh, you know in the field because I even saw him editing his own uh you know his footage back at the uh at the google io and i was like wow that yeah. is a very nice system i mean you know seriously I, i'm really sad that i still use it um i actually used it last time on our last podcast with uh with josh so it was i'm definitely very sad to see that there was no more development and if anything you know losing all these you know potential people that will just get a really good piece of hardware long battery life and you know just amazing display
0: yeah, this uh, this, Ray- this razor Blade Stealth 13 2019 edition, it hits a lot of the right notes coming from a former MateBook X Pro user, uh, and it actually achieves a couple of extra things, like it has two USB-C ports and two USB-A ports, which are really useful, especially for the kind of setup I have for the podcast right now, mm-hmm. being remote out here in Manila, Philippines. However, um, there's only one hard drive, and it's 256 gigabytes, uh, so you have storage already going down. Uh, no touchscreen, and this particular model that I have has a 1080p display, oh. not touchscreen, like I said. Uh, but it's also a comparable price to the MacBook X Pro that I have been using up until this moment. So yeah, uh, so for the it, same price, you're actually losing some stuff.
1: This is the reason, man. I mean, the computer that I was using was one terabyte, 16 gigs of RAM. It's. Th- Thunderbolt 3, and it's full speed Thunderbolt 3, because there are a few Thunderbolt 3 computers out there, but all of them do, I I think, 20 20 gigabits, where this one does 40, like MacBook Pros. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, for me, what other option do we have? I mean, even if we wanted to get, even if I wanted to get uh, any 13 inch MacBook Pro, which would be the one comparable in price, uh, it doesn't have a GPU. You know, and so it's one of those things where it's like, oh man, if it, it I, I feel sad just because, see, this is the problem. I, I love when I get these comments where everybody's like, oh, you're a, it's fun. I love how people are now calling me a Huawei fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> you know for me it's hilarious but it's one of those things where it's like all right if i have to use a windows computer this has been it for me this has been the computer that's made me truly use windows and if you're going to take i mean if if this is going to be it then you know I, i'm sad that's just the way i see it because the 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 advantage of competition is that it it forces companies to come up with something good yeah and so you you kill a company that's bold enough to pull out all the device and what do you get? You think the computers are going to get any better after that? So it's not that we're Huawei fanboys. We're fans of competition. Really? It's like, well, call us OnePlus fanboys. Why do we use OnePlus 7 Pros? My God, because for the pr- it's not even for the price now. It's like you get all this. And these guys are also aggressive. aggressive about the price. It's like, shoot, this is what drives the market. If you guys, I mean, if you viewers and listeners, you guys want to continue paying more money for your stuff, it's fine, man. I don't. I, I that's yeah. the way I feel.
2: No, no, exactly. It's it's that's what drives innovation. And think about it this way: motor devices with triple cameras on the back because of what happened with the Mate Twenty Pro, because of what happened with the um, you know P thirty Pro or P twenty Pro. It they drive innovation. They start it and watch everybody follow. And then you're like, well, I love having three cameras on my back. Well, you know, well then you know who to thank. It's because somebody yeah. decided to push it, and they've been consistently doing that, and. And I worry what's going to happen with the next generation of devices. I mean, just.
1: What are you talking yeah. about? Don't don't worry. They're all going to have a stove design for the camera.
0: <laughs> more on that in a bit. Uh, yeah, you, on on guys yeah. mention, uh, you guys mentioned competition, especially in terms of Huawei. Um, and I'm actually really excited to hear from TK, from the XDA side of things, uh, about the idea that Huawei might be creating their own app store. Or they already have their own app store, but they're going to go all in on it now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, true. Yeah, trying to get developers to actually develop for, um, I, th- I think it's called the App Gallery, correct?
2: Yeah, so it, so the App Gallery has been installed in all of uh, Huawei and Honor devices ever since, actually ever since we've had them. We just, most of us never really bothered to use the application. Um, the only time they ever made it as a, a primary thing was, I think, with the launch of their special skin for Fortnite, last time they did it with Honor. And that's when people huh. start realizing that they needed to go into this application to use it. Uh, development for them, I think, is a great opportunity for them to start their own thing. But the concern and the limitation that comes with that is similar to what we saw with Amazon, right? It's always a secondary. Uh, it's, an, it's another place people need to go to, except it's never going to be as good as the main one. Asking developers, you know, we'll maybe get a small number of them. But, uh, you know, there's a big difference between the way development works in Android and the way it works with iOS. iOS, you develop for iOS. It's easier. People want to work with it. And Android has a big Fragmentation issue. We already have that just to start with just having multiple devices. The limitation of it is it it is going to open up the opportunity for them. And I think it's a great opportunity for them to have uh, apps developed directly for them. Is it going to make it so that it actually, you know, maybe mirrors or becomes the same as what, what we have with the Google Play Store? It's going to take some time uh, side loading will always be a thing for Android users if it's based on Android if it runs Android apps I think that's only it's going to end up being basically a supplemental function for anybody that decides to go at least in the initial years uh, of going with the app store directly from Huawei or even some of the other ones as as you I think we've seen before Huawei is not the first one to have their own app store other might their own app stores in conjunction you know so it's not the first time we've seen it.
1: Every, every Chinese company has to have their own app store. That's just the way it is. Xiaomi has their own store. Mm. Uh, Oppo has their own store. But here's the thing, TK. I mean, I didn't have the solid numbers until this week. Think about it. I mean, I know that the whole concept of Windows Phone failed uh, mm-hmm. and having like a third operating system. What happens when developers get an email that says we have 350 million units out of which 270 million of these are active right now? So do you really think that these consumers are going to want to lose 270 million potential customers it, it's or, not, it's, or are they going to just throw in their application to the store? So I that's mean, the thing. It's, it's not
2: one app for all of those devices. Remember, one of the main things that plagued Android is the fact of compatibility and the fact that there is not just one version of Android. You have multiple versions of Android. You have multiple devices and formatting. So we need to see what... What they're going to provide us from as far as the software development functionality is the development tools going to be compatible with all of their devices that are on their market or is it just going forward, but that those are the details that we developers need to basically see is it worth the investment or am I going to be developing for 30 different devices, even if they have so many numbers, it's the investment in time you got to realize they have something that's already working for them. We need to find out what's the incentive to get them to go over to Huawei. It has to be monetary. It has to be better sharing, better revenue. I think that's going to be the way to get them in.
1: Well, think about it. I mean, have you noticed that Huawei has doubled down on getting all as many phones as they can on EMUI 9?
2: Actually, I was very surprised when I started seeing nine being adopted so greatly. Even yeah. going back to some older devices that I didn't even think EMU nine was going to even come down. But yeah, no, it, that's a very good uh, that's a very good point. Yeah, it, it's they're they're working it. Don't get me wrong. When when they have to focus on exactly what they want, they're doing it correctly. Uh, but yeah, EMU nine is coming into more devices. Nine point one. Uh, I think the Q beta for the P thirty Pro is even uh, leaked around. Someone working at either Easter and they're still working on Q, which is surprising.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, the smartphone market is definitely where Huawei wants to put a lot of their efforts into because one of the reasons why the whole Matebook thing felt really sad was because clearly Huawei was selling most of those products in the market that's banning them. <laughs> And when it came to smartphones, though, smartphones were all over the place. So obviously, they have to put all of their efforts into all of that. Um, but speaking of smartphones, uh, we have one more development from the Huawei side of things. Again, mm-hmm. we didn't want to talk too long about Huawei things uh, you know, moving forward. But as they come up, we do want to mention them. So just some quick thoughts. Um, apparently, Huawei have made it so that their 5G development will continue, but it's going to continue in Russia. There's only one reason why I wanted to bring this up. Because um, talk about... okay. You could you could you could judge Huawei's press as bad or good or neither of the two, but if the U.S. is already feeling one certain way about Huawei, they're definitely feeling another way about Russia, and it's interesting to see that the two forces are seeming to coalesce. <laughs> Who knows how this is going to actually make the reputation of Huawei uh, either better or worse moving forward? I just wanted to see what you guys what your guys' thoughts were on that.
2: I honestly, I would say they're getting what they're able to get right now. And, uh, it's a limitation of, you know, uh, customers, right? So if you have the technology and you need to be able to prove it, and, you know, and Russia seems to be the only one available at this point, it, it's not the best, maybe may not be the best combo at this point, but, you know, you, you do what you can do when you're limited with what you can do, I guess that's the best way to... <laughs> <laughs> no better way of saying it politically correct. Well, well,
1: but the thing about it is China and Russia have been allies Forever. Like, yeah. Even that their flag, true. even their flag is literally like the Soviet's flag. So I mean, what was what was the world expecting? I mean, I don't think even with this whole ban, this was still gonna happen. I mean, who was Russia going to get their technology from? You think Ericsson or Qualcomm? No, forget it. It's it was gonna be Huawei. So I, I wasn't expecting any less.
0: Uh, Yeah, fair enough. It it just seems so interesting to me now, as we as we move a little bit away from the Huawei stuff, we're actually going to talk about some other companies that might have been doing their work in China. We're talking about Google and Foxconn now, Uh, potentially taking all of or not potentially, they are taking all of their production away from China in order to skirt that 25% tariff that the US is putting on top of Chinese goods. I just think it's kind of funny how we came from, there was an era where people would see that label made in China and have a certain Feeling about the product maybe they did they thought that the quality of the product would be subpar and whatnot but the likes of oppo huawei xiaomi have actually uh, really fought against that stereotype now there's a whole new stereotype <laughs> that if you have a product and it says made for made in china there's a whole new implication involved here but with that in mind foxconn and google have moved their hardware production away from china uh and they have moved a lot of it apparently to taiwan which is another entity that we saw huawei move their chip manufacturing from. So TSMC, if I remember correctly, that was the one. Uh, So moving their production to to Taiwan, away from China, um, these moves, could we see any changes in production uh in the future maybe there's going to be some sort of a delay perhaps in certain products do you think that the shift will be very uh let's say seamless and smooth um you know does this this feel like a move that uh is going to make production of these products uh and the demand for them still easy to um what's the term i'm looking for here uh still still easy to keep up with
1: well first of all i don't think it's happened yet like um uh, they're they're saying they're moving production that's not easy <laughs> like that's not yeah, exactly. something that's not something that's going to happen like probably they're going to do it like probably they're going to start with 10% of the production then they're going to move over to 20 something percent obviously listen uh, this is this is the plan that companies are doing to avoid the tariffs but if you think about it i don't think that this whole political mess is going to last much The thing about it is China has so much leverage on the United States. (laughs) I don't think that is going to last long. I think that at some point they're going to have to negotiate because China is going to lose too much. And then, I mean, who, how, how, I'm trying to remember how many, how many treasury bonds of the United States are owned by China. I mean, the, the, the U S national debt, I think that China is like the biggest, uh, how do you call it? When, when somebody owns uh, something of yours, uh, in Spanish, I forget how you say it in English. But the thing about it is it's not that simple.
2: Stockholders, oh,
1: yeah, like, well, it, it, you're right. And so that's the thing. To move production is not something you can do overnight. And so no. I think that I think that it's a good move in general period, regardless to move production and to split production as much as possible into as many countries because i mean what if uh, you know god i'm not god forbid but what if uh, an earthquake happened or mm-hmm. you know so it's it's from yeah. from a supply chain perspective it's never a smart thing to have all your eggs in one basket period so regardless this is going to happen whether both companies both countries negotiate or not it's still going to happen they're still going to move move their part of their production to india they already moved the 6 production production to India, um, that's already done. Uh, I mean, Foxconn is a Taiwanese company. The fact that they found cheaper labor and they moved part of their production to China, it's not not that simple because I'll, I'll tell you the way it works here in Honduras. If you're a US company and you want to manufacture textile in Honduras, these are called international free zones, meaning that anything that's produced in there is—it's like it's as if it were produced in the United States. They oh. have the special—they have the special clause where they pay no taxes, and you don't technically export these products. They are—they are even sent here on a on a U.S. customs ah uh, uh, sort of transportation way. They pass through a specific process to get loaded on the plane. I worked in UPS, so this is the way it worked. (laughs) And pretty much it's like if the manufacturing of this shirt or whatever textile it was happened in the United States. And so don't think that – I mean, if Taiwan moved their production to China – I'm sure that most likely what they did was come up with some sort of a negotiation, which is the reason why when they asked Tim Cook about the whole you know, possibility of being banned and everything, I'm sure that there was something in the middle for this not to be a problem. Uh, you know, I, I'm just mm-hmm. saying so regardless, I'm not I'm it could be that China changes things over time or that the United States does things differently. I don't know. But whether but uh, moving production is something smart. It's just it's a matter of time.
2: Exactly, mm. and and it, there may be some delays, but as, as Jaime was saying, is if you do it in small stages, that you eliminate some of the uh, ramp ups and production issues that could potentially come out, out of it, because you're not really down from one facility. You're basically just increasing your your performance on one end, and then you at some point you you leverage it exactly multiple locations. And I've been on projects in the past with companies where earthquakes have have actually basically shut everything down when it hits their main factory. So it's a it's a big issue, and uh, yeah. You know diversifying and and just making sure that the hardware gets produced. I think the consumer at the end, because at the end they've realized that you know the tariffs will impact the consumer because who pays for everything at the end? It all gets you know put down to the customer. So uh, my hope is that they, they end up you know negotiating something soon enough that they can at least work out the the details so that it doesn't end up being just an entire move, more of a, you know getting more locations for production.
0: Yeah, us, uh, us creatives, we had our own version of that where in Japan, a, a massive earthquake actually made it so that camera sensors were, mm-hmm. were impacted. The production of them, so cameras were actually kind of uh, in scarce demand. Uh, so that that has actually happened, uh, and but I, and I agree with you as well. Like China probably will have to. We're all waiting with bated breath to see what China's going to do as the reins are tightened a little bit. I think this is one of those examples because in the U.S., we talk about the, the government talks about jobs all the time. I mean, if all of this production is moved away from China, that's a loss of many many jobs. So yeah. who knows what China might do as a response? No, I, I went I um, went
1: through that. I mean, there was a there was a coup in my country years ago, and dude, that literally destroyed the economy. Like, you have no idea.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, moving from uh, moving from all of the China U.S. stuff to some somewhat lighthearted uh, news, uh, I'm actually wearing a PlayStation shirt in commemoration of uh, E3 that just happened this past week. Nice. Unfortunately, even though I had massive FOMO because we a lot of our friends were at E3, so uh, yeah. I complain all the time about nobody coming to L.A. to see me and TK. And sure enough, here they all were for E3.
2: <laughs> I and I couldn't get an inv- I couldn't get a press invite for the E3, event, and it's down the street from me.
0: I yeah, just, exactly. Yeah um in any case uh there were there were a lot of things happening um and you know maybe i shouldn't feel too bad because while e3 was happening i was in tokyo so that <laughs> was probably wasn't that big of a deal for me but uh, i was watching all of the news coming out and so many things were really uh were really exciting and i think just to keep things a little bit lighthearted, i just wanted to see if you guys all had any announcements that really jazzed you up anything in the gaming space let's just get a little bit nerdy with this and have some fun with gaming i i I cannot believe how powerful or how supported one of the best mobile devices we have in gaming right now is getting. The Nintendo Switch is getting so many dope games. And I can't believe that they found a way to port The Witcher 3 to the okay. Nintendo Switch. I was I, My mind was blown when I saw that. In any case, did, did you uh, watch any of the news? Uh, anything exciting really pop out at you from E3?
1: I hate that we didn't get more information on the new PS5. Yeah, it was very 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 very
2: little. Like it was scary.
1: more it was more Xbox and don't get me wrong. I mean, it's just I don't know, Sorry, yeah. I don't know. I I Xbox is uh, you know. Uh well, yeah, PS5. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm right there with you. I mean, obviously. Um so one thing that is becoming a big deal uh in the gaming space is uh, live, sh- well, not live streaming. I should call it streaming services. So, yeah. sh- uh, game streaming. So it's, it's less about having, I mean, maybe this is one of the reasons why we didn't get a whole lot of PS5 or other device, uh, news. Cause after all, there might be another Nintendo Switch coming out in the next year. There might be another Xbox coming out the next year. Uh, but that's less of a focus, it seems, uh, because instead of having a very powerful console, you could have maybe a laptop like this or even a low powered, low cost, uh, device that just uses mm-hmm. your fast internet connection to stream all of the AAA games. Obviously, what one fast of the-
1: internet connection. Which one?
0: I know we're. Bu- <laughs> I know we're. All, we're all dealing with that right now. I'm. I'm. I'm dealing with Manila internet, and Jaime's always had the internet stuff going on. TK might be the only person who can actually do game streaming right now out of the three of us. <laughs> uh,
2: and and I actually been using it for some time, uh, but not not the uh, not the Google solution. But I've actually been using the Nvidia solution for some time, ever oh. since uh, CES. So it's. I'm really excited. And and Jaime, you had it I don't know if you remember at the press area back at the I.O. uh press event. They had a, a full demo of the Google uh you know, the um uh, it was just it was running a game, you had an opportunity to play with it, the latency was super low. We couldn't really figure out exactly how far.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Guys. Yeah. So I uh, I actually got the the launch bundle. What do you call that? The founders edition. The Founders edition. The one
2: twenty nine or one forty nine. I
1: mean, they made it a no brainer for one twenty nine, and you get and you can add a buddy, which obviously my son's going to be that buddy because I got no choice there. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm listen, guys. I'm looking forward to it. I just I have a lot of questions over the concept. I I think that their presentation needed to provide more details because um, I saw a lot of comments over what we covered in the daily. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the commenters were concerned over the fact that you are going to pay the same amount of money for a game on Stadia that you would on a Nintendo Switch with the difference that what happens if you're on a plane like me? Can you play your game? Can you download your game temporarily like you can on Spotify? So the
2: it, it, with the current solution, at least if, if if NVIDIA has any indication of how it's currently going to be done, it, it's not downloadable. It's not. Yeah. It's truly meant to be offloaded to the, to the cloud. And it is going to be. And they need to figure out a solution. It's kind of like when we first started with streaming content with Netflix and Hulu and all of that. They figured out at some point, you know what? Internet doesn't work on a plane. And they need to figure that out. And I think that would be the key to their success. We're not all sitting at home. We're not all sitting on a really fast 5G connection sitting in front of the tower. We're all going to be you know, dependent on a network connection. And having it wireless doesn't work. At home, running it on my Nvidia Shield, running it on my Mac, connecting it to my TV, it works perfectly. But I'm home. That's not the solution. They need to figure out a way to bridge the gap.
1: For the price, yes, that's the thing. I yeah. I, I saw the price points as a no brainer as a Switch customer, mm-hmm. and then I was like, yeah, but this guy's right in the comments. I mean, what am I going to do if I'm traveling? Or so I hadn't thought about that, and I was like, well, you know, I still want my Founder's Edition. To try it out anyway. So we'll see. I I like the concept of Stadia. I think that that is the future of gaming because I really want to be able to use my product wherever I want. But these guys are going to have to like double down on like if they tell me that Stadia streaming is free. On Google Fi, that changes everything. Ooh, oh man. that neutrality that changes everything
2: <laughs> that, yeah, but well, yeah, no, no it, it you're right. yeah, it it needs to be it needs to be functional. But it, even with when we use the control, I think the demos that we saw mostly focused on being on a big big display, right? So that's they're kind of gearing it in, in the essence to be more of a not in the middle of the road kind of plane. but it is doable. It's just I think it's intended to be on enjoyed like a, like a gaming console, the way we enjoy our, you know, our normal games on big TVs and massive audio and all the good stuff. I feel like we'll that controller.
0: See. I feel like that controller is already like most of the admission price for me. Uh, I, I probably would have scooped it up just for that controller because it looks really awesome. But ninety nine, $9. a month, that, that doesn't sound too bad, especially since and Jaime, you were reporting this on the daily that you can have per game pricing, and if you're really yes. into certain games, you could just do that
1: you can but we go back to the to the concept of you're paying the full price of any Nintendo Switch game if you didn't like and, and that's the thing about the Switch I mean I don't even buy my games on the Nintendo eStore anymore I buy them on Amazon because mm-hmm. they're always like $15 off on Amazon yeah. and so and I have the advantage that I have physical media or downloadable media and so I'm like alright I have no problem in paying so much for a game and it, when it comes to the Switch because of the convenience of being I don't have to worry about if I did I pack my game they're all there like mm-hmm. they're yeah. with me all Ways, and so no, I can't expect that from Stadia. And then if I go to Manila, I won't be able to play my games. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, is it really worth that amount of money? Because Netflix works anywhere you go. You can download some of the content. Uh, in the case of Spotify, you can so long as you can use it in offline mode. But so long as it pings back to the server once a month, you're good. And so that that's the moment where it becomes difficult. I don't mind paying that amount of money for Spotify because of the capability of being able to have it wherever I go, download it whenever I need to. So that's that's one thing that Stadia is going to have to figure out. If not, Nintendo's going to eat them out.
2: Yeah, I'm, right. I'm with you. I'm I I just can't wait for the Dragon Ball game to come out. I just I saw that there was an update. <laughs> <I> was like, <laughs> sorry, it's it, it
0: just you know it's it's just
2: me. Kakarot always. That Tk
0: is a Tk is a simple man. He sees Dragon Ball Z. He hits like he buys. <laughs> he hits like <laughs>
2: pre-order. Please send me notifications now. Thank you very much.
1: Where, and <laughs> exactly. where's my game?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's I wanted it yesterday. Now I, yeah. uh, I I saw a lot of good thing, a lot of good things, and, and definitely the the uh, the new Zelda game is going to be just oh, mm-hmm. I I yeah. can't believe yeah no I'm I'm the Switch is the best mobile gaming system hands down. There's no question there.
0: From the news to episodes of Black Mirror, stories about cybercrime are all over the place. If you're concerned about your personal devices, like your webcam or your voice assistant spilling your secrets, Hackable looks to answer those questions and more. Each episode, found on all major podcast platforms, has Hackable host Jeff Siskin, inviting a white hat hacker to try and hack a device he's using. And in Season 4, you can see if these show-friendly hackers can crack smartphones, printers, even smart kettles. Learn if the internet-connected essentials that power your life also leave your personal data vulnerable. And then learn how to protect yourself from letting your love of devices put you at risk. Listen and subscribe to Hackable today on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Stitcher. All right, we're back from our break. I was just explaining to the guys that I am fighting like a really, I had an incredible dinner for, uh, for my, it was like an early birthday dinner with my family and my girlfriend's family and we just ate at this Filipino spot that was amazing. So I'm fighting comatose right now, but I'm, I'm doing all right. Energy levels are good. So I want to get back from the break and do our recurring segment. Obviously, it is what is in our pocket now. And I, um, I'm i not going to start off this time. Uh, I have actually a few things that I want to say because I've been using so many products during my Asia trip right now. This is like an international version of the podcast. I went to Tokyo. I'm in Manila right now. I'm going to a beautiful island in the Philippines called Behold for next week, and then back to Tokyo where I'm going to be seeing Jaime. Uh, so there are a lot of devices I've been using to document the entire trip, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to start off with TK. TK, what is in your pocket now?
2: So... Today, <laughs> depending on the day of the week, uh, I am <laughs> rocking the, you know ten times Zoom as well as the One Plus Seven. I'm uh, working on a video for uh, for XDA over on the One Plus Seven, so I got to use it for a little bit. And I'm actually quite surprised. I I, I really I, I love the One Plus Seven Pro, but I really like the One Plus Seven. It it has all of the things that the Pro has, uh, minus a few. Th- things obviously but it's just it's a nice little upgrade and i think we just haven't had the opportunity to, to play around with so I'm, I'm happy to use that and the reno just is so good <laughs> the camera on the reno is really good
0: yeah uh
1: I'm really the- am i am i the am i the only person without a reno sorry i'm posting on ig that we're casting right now <laughs>
0: no worries there we <laughs> go so-
1: You'll get uh, linked. Um, I am using the color that I requested ever since the moment that I was briefed. I was like, "All right, whenever that almond is out, I want it." And they're like, "Yeah, well, it's special." Uh, I'm not asking. I'm I'm being clear. I want it. Thank you. No more questions asked. No more comments. So yeah, I, I I'm I've been enjoying it ever since. I'm actually our review is going to be based on this unit, uh, which is actually the eight gigabyte model. Mm. Um, The only thing about... I mean, have you guys scratched your display on your 7 Pros? Uh,
0: On the blue one, I have scratched it, but it was on the... It still had the screen protector, so it's fine.
1: No. So I scratched the screen on the blue one, and... uh, and now I have also scratched this screen. Damn it! I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like I have noticed that ever since the One Plus Six, like I know that they use Gorilla Glass Six and whatever, but for some reason it's like uh, I don't know. I I've noticed that that's a common thing. I, like the One Plus displays get scratched. Like not, I'm not saying easily, but out of the blue, boom! Damn it, it's there. Do you have the yeah. Do you have
0: the front of the One Plus Seven Pro up against the back of the iPhone XS because? That, uh, obviously, uh, honestly, the iPhone XS Max has scratched up a lot of Android phones in my day, I have to say. It's almost as if it's tuned for that. I was was just
2: about to say, even in pocket placement, they're doing their job. They're, They're pushing out the competition.
1: Exactly. Look. Now, no for,
2: for me, I, I try to. I and not, not a lot of people are a proponent of this, but I usually like to uh, use glass protectors. So I generally try to find whatever solutions
1: on the market. No, TK, don't do that. That's like taking photos with a tablet. How dare you?
2: <laughs> so like, when we were at the T-Mobile store in uh, in New York, right? That was the first thing that they kind of pushed out. They were talking about the glass protector and then the uh, what's it called the carbon fiber case. So I had to pick them up and try them out. So I had that I've already had that on my uh, on the on the Nebula Blue, uh, but as far as the uh, the almond, I'm I'm with you. Mm. I no no glass protector on that one. I haven't scratched mine. I've only been playing with it for the last few days, but I had to put it down for the seven for uh, at least for the next week or so.
1: And mm. feel- here's the thing: I was never a fan of the six T. I was never a fan of the seven.
2: It's it's more of the it, it's the the 60 was a was a i would say more of a, a demonstration of technology it really was a very big shift from the 6 it changed a lot we lost the fingerprint sensor from the back we moved it to the front we lost the headphone jack there was a, a lot of changes going on i feel like the 7 took all of the things that were not necessarily right with the 6t and made them better and if you're looking for a little less expensive version of the 7 pro which by the way, I think the 7 Pro is the way to go if you have it and you can afford it. At 669, there's no question about it. It's a great phone to get into. Uh, but I think the 7 is also going to be appealing to some people that want to get stay around the $550, uh, depending on the market that you're in. But again, it, for us in the U.S., I had to import it. So it's not like it's an option for us. Is it? No, I get
1: it. I get it. But then my favorite design was the OnePlus 6. Uh, yeah. it, it was It was because it was thinner. Mm-hmm. It was a far thinner phone, far easier to handle and it. it had a headphone jack, yeah.
2: And and a really solid fingerprint sensor, which I didn't understand. I mean, I realize we want to go under the display, but seriously, nothing still beats physical fingerprint sensor, and the placement was in the right spot. It's in the back, not in the front, nothing, nowhere else. It's right there where it needs yeah. to be. Is the,
0: yeah. is the what one about plus, you, Josh? Well, I was going to ask real quick, is the One 7 smaller like to a significant degree?
2: Um, I mean, it's hard to show on camera, but hold on one second. Uh, it is, it's the same, it's almost the exact same size as the OnePlus sixty. t So you held the sixty. t you pretty much kind of held, um, so if they're next neck, this is kind of like, they're a little bit shorter. The display is about what, uh, 6.4, 6.41. It's not that much bigger. Uh, and it actually has smaller bezels than the 6T, slightly smaller bezels. So you are getting a little bit that better might... display.
0: That might be the that might be the deciding factor for me because as you know the OnePlus Seven Pro I just still feel that it's just a little bit too big for my taste. It's to be a honest.
1: it's a large phone.
2: Not to yeah. quote Brandon while he's not physically here, but I, Brandon is definitely would be he's OnePlus Seven all the way because he and yeah. I bought okay, ended up bringing it in at the same time. We He's it. Okay. And he's being, he's being well, so fanboyistic. I just got my
1: 7. I just got my 7. I'm like, relax, dude. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, before
0: we get into our final, uh, our, our uh, latter half of the show, just some quick shout-outs to what has been in my pocket now for the past week or so. Um, so what I wanted to do was for the four days that I was going to be in Tokyo, I wanted to document each day using a different device. So I actually have four different real-world camera tests that are going to be coming out in the next week or so. Uh, so honestly, honestly MVP – has been the sony 48 megapixel sensor any phone that has that sensor has been doing such a great job and that includes the oneplus 7 pro i will admit it also includes the red magic 3 which i did use to vlog a little bit and then this the asus zen phone 6 which um i actually put into the hands of my girlfriend uh, isa rodriguez who now has her own channel called isa does tech if you don't mind me plugging her i gave her this phone and some magic happened. Like, she just fell in love with the the rotating camera. She made some great – she got some great footage and she made a great video over on her channel. So, maybe I can go ahead and give her a quick shout-out and a plug there. Uh, but other Do than it. that – other than that, I actually use the Insta360, and uh, I think I'll show some B-roll right now of uh, a clip that I made where I walked into Shibuya Crossing, and then I zoomed uh, out to show this, like, small planet version of uh-huh. just how crazy Shibuya Crossing is. So that was awesome. I, I
2: saw that on your story, yeah. And I, I, I think it was either yours or Issa's. Uh, one of you guys posted a, a picture of that. It just looked so nice.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Such a such a unique uh, perspective from the 360 camera and then finally i i actually bit the bullet and i went ahead and got the dji osmo pocket and i just wanted to uh point out this is a great vlogging tool because the the lens is just wide enough and of Mm -hmm. course it's stabilized the audio is actually really good but here's one thing you need to know if you're looking at this versus other ones like the osmo action or even the gopro hero 7 here's one thing you got to know about the osmo pocket it is a 399 camera by itself but to get the most out of it you got to pay another basically 200 bucks to accessorize the crap out of it (laughs) to get the most out of it (laughs) So it easily becomes a $500, $600 thing. And then I realized once I was oh. using it and I was using it like as a vlogging cam and I had all these accessories on it, I was like, holy crap. I basically bought a phone. <laughs> like that's how <laughs> much it was.
2: So you just made it into a Zen Phone 6. It, pretty much. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: But I
0: will say,
2: it, no, I, don't it, know, it, I,
1: don't, I don't know why, but I was never enticed by that. No, I, I just thought we started off like I love the Osmo that. action. That for me is cool. Because so I, that's all. Go for it. Go
2: for it. No, no, no. I, I, I love the action for the camera and the the angles and everything on that, but the audio on it was just not what what I was hoping for. That's Dude, the audio thing, is
1: far better than a GoPro. I'll tell you that much.
2: Yes, but when I compared it to what the uh, the, the one that Josh has, because I've seen that one before and I've seen the audio come out of it, I was expecting that with an interchangeable lens option with you know much
0: easier integration and with just a solid body
1: the the just, audio on the osmo pocket is trash
0: oh i disagree it's, i think it's i think it's actually really impressive
1: it trash that was what was that dude you would be the first person to praise it like
0: was he using I it mean, for okay. a, for vlogging purposes though yeah that's what I, that was what i was about to say
1: so oh, he- I I think that the Osmo Action does a far better job than my GoPro, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not saying that it's perfect. I'm just saying it sounds better than anything out there that's an action cam. And and oh my God, man! It doesn't matter where I've gone with that thing. The battery lasts all day. Like it, oh I, yeah. I've run out of memory storage, and I the battery's still kicking. I'm like, whoa! This does not behave like a GoPro like at all. Like it's it's mm. it's, it's it solved everything. Boom.
0: I think you do have to hold this a certain way to make sure you're not covering the the microphones because there are two of them and they could be pretty easy. Like if you're doing like a a vice grip on it, then you're covering the mic. But yeah, I, you know me, I I get really meticulous about my my stuff. So I actually hold it like kind of dainty and (laughs) fancy, (laughs) fancy JV style. Pretty much. Pinky's out. And then, yeah, so it's easy. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I I, I personally think that's been doing a really great job. But honestly, every single camera that I've used during my my time in Tokyo have served uh, very specific purposes, and they have succeeded in flying colors. The Insta360, this as a non-intrusive vlogging camera, because otherwise I would be using this DSLR, and everyone gets weirded out when I use this in in public places. Uh, So this is much more discreet. In any case... uh, (laughs) I, I just use the word discreet, and I can't believe that I'm saying this, but for the first time, I don't think I remember any time that a company has actually gotten ahead of the leaks and have gone ahead and just released information about a product that we're all clamoring for by themselves. That's exactly what Google, Google? did. Exactly. That's ex- Holy crap,
1: dude. <laughs> they owned it so well yesterday. I was like, whoa, oh, what's man. up with these guys?
2: Yeah. yeah, no, man, finally. I mean, with, with everything that went, the way it went with the Pixel 3 XL launch event and all of the things and everything that was going around going up to that, having them post that picture yesterday was like, uh,
0: it's like, come on!
2: Well, welcome to the game. Thank you very much. I'm actually More. really, I'm
0: actually really happy that I had to postpone our recording of the podcast by a day because the morning after I woke up, feeling a little bit bad that I wasn't able to make our recording time, um, because we were out like all over Manila, like my family and Issa's family. I came back, woke up in the morning, all of a sudden, here's a picture of a Pixel Four in front of me. I'm like, okay, we know what we're talking about on the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> all right, so. Some quick thoughts. Um, First things first. Uh, There were a couple of people who were on Twitter saying that it's really interesting that Google wants to get ahead of all of the speculation, ahead of all of the leaks, especially considering that we're still in the middle of the Pixel 3 and more to the point, the Pixel 3a uh, sales cycle. So they're actually kind of over, not overhyping. They're hyping the next device at the same time as they're trying to sell the current one. Which is kind of a weird move, I think, at least. No, because the
1: three A, the four A will probably be launched six months later. Mm-hmm. Um, just to serve, like you have to under like the the strategy of the three A is really interesting because, like, if you've got leftover chips, like camera sensors camera lenses and you weren't able to these are probably like the most expensive parts of your phone the 3a is it's like literally what oneplus does with the 6t they launch the 6 which is their like flagship device and then they do like a minor refresh that looks a lot that uses a lot of the same parts in order to be able to create another you know marketing uh, it's like a pr marketing stunt uh, but it serves the purpose of, like, refreshing the, you know, the appeal of a product and being able to get rid of all their stock of parts in the process. And so the 3A was actually a good idea. The 3 wasn't selling well. So it's like, shoot, let's figure out a way to get all these parts out with the 3A, at least. And, in, in, you know, not everything. Obviously, the processor is not one thing. But, uh, you know, if I, I don't think that it's a bad move. I think that they're going to come out with their 4 Listen, here's the thing. Google is not in the business of selling phones. That's not what they make money out of. So it's one of those things where it's like Google's like Amazon. They don't care if they're going to lose a little money on this, they still believe in the product. They pr- they believe in the project. They know that it has importance. And obviously, they've got a potential of 270 million users that are going to need a phone right now with Huawei being out of the game, if that's going to be the case. So yeah, the, yeah. Mo- the more, listen, every single time that I publish a Google Pixel review or video or whatever, it doesn't perform well. P- why? Because consumers don't care about the Pixel. It it's, consumers it's, don't care yeah. about the Pixel. It doesn't matter how much we talk about it, how much we tell people of its great camera. I love that John Rettinger did a video recently where it's like people don't care about the Pixel. He's right. Like every single point in his video, he is right. And so you know if this is what they need to do to get the buzz, uh, I, like I don't blame them. They need to get the buzz out right because their product is not necessarily. It's okay, fine. The Pixel Three is wasn't a great phone, uh, but it's you know it's got some great things. So I I don't. I I commend them for being aggressive about marketing. Finally, welcome Google, mm.
2: and and yeah. keeping themselves running in the in the news, not letting them actually disappear. So, kind of running that end wave, kind of a little bit of what the three A was doing out of Google I O. People knowing that, you know what it is, and then they throw a little bit of a you know a teaser there out there for people to kind of look forward to. At least you know it, they they need. My hope essentially is that now that they're no longer a Verizon exclusive with the 3A that maybe that could carry over with the 3, with the 4 and the 4XL. So we'll, you know, we need, they need more coverage.
0: I, yeah, I agree with the more coverage. Um, I guess I'm thinking of the scenario of like, okay, so you're a user who just finally got into the Pixel because I know people who are thinking of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the Pixel 3a has brought the Pixel to a more affordable price point, they're thinking of moving over from their iPhone tens or their iPhone 8s or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got a Pixel 3a. Google all of a sudden gets put onto like the local news or on the airwaves or on the tweets or with this leak of the Pixel 4. Do you end up feeling that phone envy because of no, this? It's no, only, because pe- it's been pe- so little time since the 3A. Yes, came but out. Pe-
1: people that bought the 3A are not in the market for the 4. Exactly. That's just the way yeah. it is. No, no, exactly. If you bought the 3A, a and
2: the 3a appeal to you for anything regardless obviously and camera was one thing but you wouldn't necessarily be like oh i gotta spend a thousand dollars for the upgraded version it, you're yeah. happy with it and you'll and i'm pretty sure you'll be glad to ha- to wait if you want to upgrade again for you know the 4a the, the 4a xl whatever the end the next iteration of that that device is it's a great device it's really priced at the right point point. and um honestly my only limitation for that was honestly just storage options i wish we had something a little bit more but that was it it's a great phone otherwise
0: well, I mean, looking at those renders, um, it's, it's hard not to raise your eyebrows a little bit. Because let's, let's look at a little bit of this
1: does, design. Does it look like it right took now. any
2: inspiration from anything?
0: <laughs> oh, wait a
1: second nobody you mean the copycat company that's copied everything and now (laughs) you know it's hilarious when i see these kinds of things i I
2: just when i saw the first thing i saw i was like wait huawei's working with google again and i'm like oh no 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 they just they just took the square it's it it's inspiration right everybody's it's
0: (laughs) i love how many homages to huawei google has been making lately they're just straight up saying like guys you know Huawei they make good stuff you know let's let's not forget that you know and then now we have this little bit of an homage or inspiration as you say TK
1: yeah <laughs> well, yeah just think just think about it and this is this is one of those things where i don't know if it, if it had to do with Google and Huawei learned or if it was vice versa but let's remember when was it that the Nexus was actually capable of taking good photos it was That's back in the day of the Nexus 6P. Who 6P. made the Nexus 6P? Mm-hmm. Huawei. Yep. Every Don't previous me. Nexus before that had a trash camera. Trash camera. Mm-hmm.
2: I, man, the 6P. I remember that around that launch. We were at uh, the Android, big Android barbecue in Texas with XDA. Yep. I remember the exact same. I remember
0: same. how different. I remember how different the six P looked, and that was part of the part of its charm. And I yeah. wonder if we're going to feel the same way with this new Pixel Four. Because let's see, we have like what looks like a glass backing. We have sleek looks. Uh, it doesn't have doesn't seem to have that two tone uh, on the back anymore. We'll see what happens with that. That usually has been the Pixel calling card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also shows that there's no fingerprint reader on the back, which means that Pixel imprint might be underneath the display this time. I mean, obvi- that's an obvious move towards the uh, current technology. Um, and yeah. Uh, uh, these are the design cues that we're seeing so far. I've seen a couple of other renders that may or may not be from uh, from the horse's mouth uh, that show that the front uh, still has the typical bezels on the top and bottom with the with the phone speaker and whatnot. It's going to be symmetrical at the very least. I don't know if that is actually true or not. Um, all I've really seen that we know is confirmed from Google is that one tweet that they put out with the back with that stove camera. But there's only two cameras in there, right? I, I feel yeah, like there's Yeah, yeah. I, I
2: didn't see there was. I didn't see a quad or a triple. I saw a double. So. Interested to see what the secondary lens is. It's if if it's if it's because I, they I don't they don't need the secondary lens for depth, right? This isn't something that they needed. If anything, it may be just an introduction of a new wide-angle lens, which a lot of us would love to have on the device. Uh,
1: yeah, I hope they. I hope they do bring the wide-angle. But here's the thing, man. I mean, truly, pixels take you know they do a really good job when it comes to portraits, but their portraits aren't perfect, man. Like they no, they no. they look fake. It's it's the the ability and what they're able to do with one lens
2: that's been their main calling card. And I think let's, that's let's why people not praise love to them because I want
1: more lenses, damn it. Let's not praise them. No, no, no. <laughs> can, I, you I'm mad, looking, can you imagine I, though? You got wanted, one
0: lens on a pixel and now you have more than one. Imagine just how much that algorithm so, processing will so, be able to so, do. He,
1: Here's the thing one of the things where Huawei kills it is not just in offering you three lenses but offering you night mode on the three lenses and video on all three lenses. That's and a lot video of video yeah. on all three lenses, which yeah. OnePlus can't do. Uh, yeah. the only two phones that can do the three phones that can do video in all three lenses and uh are you know Huawei and Galaxy S10 Plus, and then the LG V40 has it, but you can't switch between them if you're recording video. That's yeah. Oh, You know, and so uh, or you it's funny because you could with LG and then out of the blue, they just killed that. Um, And so I don't know, man, I I am really looking forward to two things with with the next pixel, like one, multiple lenses. And then number two, can you please Google just get the audio right on your damn phone now? Because you have the perfect selfie camera for video vlogging. That wide angle is just perfect. But then your audio is so trash that it just defeats the purpose.
0: You know what? You know what you do need in that case is a trusty uh, Zenfone Six, right there. And just saying, oh. <laughs> but you will see it when I have it with me in Tokyo. Asus, in, in the you're
1: Asus. I, I mean, your PR is one of the most hilarious I know. Because I I know all you guys. You guys are great, but then whenever it's it's about sending out review units, you all you never send stuff. And when you do, you send it so late that I don't care about making the review anymore. There's no buzz <laughs> oh. over your phone anymore we we got to press them. So if you're mad at me because you've sent your phones late and I haven't chosen to review them, fine, be mad. I don't care. Damn it.
0: (laughs) Well, actually, okay, so hearkening back to a detail that you said earlier, how um, the portrait mode is not perfect or that the Pixel is known for its portrait mode because of the algorithmic processing, I actually have a couple of anecdotes. So if we're going to talk about the Pixel 3, I actually gave or rather handed down my Pixel 3 XL to my brother who has been using it ever since we've been here, maybe a couple weeks before we came to Tokyo. I expected him to comment about the notch. So we're talking about design cues right now. I expected him to comment about the notch. And he was like, I mean, it's there, but it actually doesn't bother me as much as as you probably think it would. So I gave him a lot of credit there. What he did end up talking about was the camera. This is a guy who used to shoot on a Nikon D750. This is a guy who had six different lenses at different focal lengths and uh, put a lot of work into making like really awesome photos of cars and people and portraits and whatnot. He took one picture of a cone of matcha ice cream... (laughs) in in portrait mode saw how great it turned out and he went this freaking phone is cheating man this is cheating to the max i can't believe this and i was like you've been using a pixel 2 up until or a pixel 1 up until this point how are you not used to this and he's like it's that good like this is it took me two to three thousand dollars worth of equipment to get that kind of photo and this phone just did it in one shot
1: Dude, and, and it's not just that. Like, again, it's not perfect. I, w- I took uh, Diego to uh, to Dumbo to take a photo where you have the Manhattan Bridge crossing between the two buildings. Um, mm-hmm. And so I tried to use the pixel in portrait mode. So first of all, I brought the GH5 with my 12-millimeter F1.4. So I'm carrying $4,000 worth of kit right there, mm-hmm. Three thousand the 3500 and then I bought the Pixel 3a and the Galaxy S10 Plus and the OnePlus 7 Pro. So I took the photos with the... I'm using an ND filter on the on the camera, but because it was so dark in the buildings, it was so bright outside the bridge. Dude, the, the GH5 could not keep up, man. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that the Pixel took the best shot. Oddly, the phone that took the best shot was the Galaxy S10 Plus. You know, that HDR, HDR kicked in, yeah. dude. That HDR kicked in and it came out great. And so it's one of those things, man. I mean, do you really need a DSLR? Like, most people are only using their photos for social media, anyways. And, you know, I mean, you know, there are certain cases where I've taken photos with with the GH5 and you can tell like they you know, just the colors and, and that real true bokeh. It looks fantastic. Like you can't compare. But when you're in backlit scenarios, it's very hard to have a DSLR perform well because DSLRs are not smart enough to understand HDR, yeah. uh, you know, when it comes to photography. And so it's it's it becomes a, it becomes a problem where the phone doesn't have to deal with that, you know? Yeah, I agree.
0: Tk, any thoughts on that? Um, you, you... I
2: no, no. I, I like I said, it, I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the, uh, the 3XL, and I love all the updates they did. They did a lot of updates that went down to the 2XL. The the first X, uh, the first Pixel did not get all of the same benefits, so you have, to, you always have that little bit of give and take. Um, I, I love mobile devices, and I, and I just, my main thing is I just want to be able to get great audio, and I think that's been my main search right now. Cameras. Uh, the OnePlus 7 Pro getting got a lot better after the last update. I'm so I'm really really happy with what it's doing, uh, but as far as just you know overall camera, Samsung that's really good. It actually, I mean, the performance on the on the sensor is actually very nice very flexible and the camera setup on the 10 and the 10 plus are the right ones to have right now so very much uh, very happy with what we get and i haven't had a chance to play with the zenphone 6 yet I, I saw it when we were in uh, london for the honor event uh didn't get a chance to play with it but we'll see maybe in time uh, maybe i will be a true believer of the asus silent as well mm.
0: uh jaime in our notes here you did have a, a point that i wanted to touch upon where this is one render it's entirely possible that we're going to have many different design teams just on this one phone alone.
1: Oh, that yeah, but that was before they like owned the leak. So here's oh. the thing. Uh that I, we we crossed those notes before the leak went public. Mm. And so I so here's the thing. I know that Google hired three companies to come up with the design. Um and so I don't blame Google, man. I mean, here's the thing. Uh but I think I'm jumping ahead over the topic that you want to go through later, but it's just, you know, it's, it's to a certain degree convenient for companies to have leaks. Mm. P- companies may make it sound like if it's not, but it is. And so Google right now, they, you know, they, they, a couple of things got leaked. I think, you know, I'm not saying that they did them deliberately, but they've got the audience response. And so they decided to own the leak. And so, at first, I thought, well, it could be just one of three renders. But now that the company has pretty much said this is coming, Huawei Pixel 3, Pixel 4, whatever,
2: you know, <laughs> that'll be the new dub for it. But yeah, no, and and we'll we'll see more information. It's better for them to be ahead of the wave than at the end of it, as opposed to going to an event where everything has been leaked about a phone.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, and and the point that I was going to make, yeah, we might as well dive into that final portion of the topic. Um, Actually, one sec. TK, your video feed, there you go, you're back. Yeah. (laughs) I I was like, what happened there? Okay. Uh, we might as well go ahead and jump into that final portion of this, uh, not only this topic but also for the show. Uh, I just thought it was funny because isn't it? <laughs> maybe I'm just uh, arguing semantics here, but it's one thing for someone who's not privy to the information to leak that information, but when a company, quote unquote, leaks the information, isn't that called a teaser? Isn't that called a trailer? Isn't it? <laughs>
2: I think that it is. Called? I think it is. It it, it would yeah. This is uh, definitely a, uh, <laughs> a three second uh, teaser for what's to come. We need the trailer.
0: Yeah, um, so as far as leaks are concerned, like does it does it cha- does it color your experience with all of these things? Because not that Google is actually being the company that is going to leak things ahead of everybody else, aren't they? Sort of adding to this little phenomenon that some of us tech reviewers have, where we see leaks and speculation so much that eventually we get to the launch and we're not surprised <laughs> by anything anymore. Google's feeding into that culture now. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on on the leak culture that Google is now part of? Yeah, you know it's.
2: It's different when the companies do it intentionally as opposed to you're not sure how the information came out. Uh, I think as long as it's controlled teasing, it's no different than a movie. Don't tease everything, don't show us everything. Some companies do that when they put out their trailers and you'll basically see the best parts of an entire movie there and then you go watch the movie and you're like, oh my God. So I think that the right thing to do here is just to keep it just enough for people to be interested, but not necessarily just give us the entire thing. The reality. I mean, we can all predict what's coming out, but you're right. There, there needs to be that part of the excitement. People want to be excited, as opposed to just like, oh yeah, this this confirmed everything we already knew. Thank you very much, kind of thing. So I, I want to be surprised, and I want to, and I want to be able to go back to the days where we go to the launch event, and there is the oh by the way, you know, like what Huawei did last mm-hmm. time, and I don't know why I keep referring to Huawei, but the Meta at the Mate 20X. You guys remember that during the launch event? We we even with the with all the information that was out, all of the things that people knew. That came out of nowhere, and it is by far one of my favorite devices that they made at that time. The 20X, the big display, stereo speakers, headphone jack, and the same optics. So I, I want to be surprised again because it, it brings back the excitement.
1: You know. Uh, it, you know no. so, so here's the thing. Yeah. I think that it can go both ways. Uh, here, and It's coming from the guy that covers leaks every freaking day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look at it this way. I want you guys to remember the smartphone industry before the iPhone 4, and I want you to remember it afterwards um, because obviously there was a ton of speculation over the iPhone 1, but nobody had ever seen it. Yeah. Even, Apple in- even Apple software engineers had never seen the phone until it was on stage, the first generation iPhone. That's the way it worked. Um, here's the thing. The iPhone 4 was the first massively leaked iPhone ever. Like, it was really bad, and yet it was the best-selling iPhone for years. So Apple had the 4S, the 5, the 5S, and it wasn't until the iPhone 6 came out Mm -hmm, that the company was able to sell as much as they sold of the 4. And so, you know, leaks keep this industry going for a company that launches just one phone a year leaks are what keeps the buzz and what what keeps people already looking out for that next product and so it's hilarious when people make you know I, i read the comments all the time and people are like yeah you're only covering leaks i'm like well dude if we did not cover leaks what other news will we be covering like imagine the smartphone industry and what we do if there were no leaks think about it I mean, what? We cover a press release every what? Every month? Every three weeks? Sometimes, you know, you've got MWC, and you'll probably be getting like six, seven announcements at a time, and then things go quiet, and then we don't talk about anything until we get review devices. So what else will we be covering? I mean, that's just the the way – this is the the way of the beast. This is the way this industry – you know, I I think – I think that companies can can uh, I'm not saying lie, but companies could claim all they want that leaks hurt them. I don't believe it. I do not believe <laughs> it. I don't I, and you know and and in 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 defense, there's a sp- a particular company, and I'm gonna mention it. it was i it's Samsung. I remember when um I was at at one of the briefings and their security guy was being completely genuine over all the hard work that they do to cover up leaks. So there are companies that don't want leaks. But I think there are a ton of other companies that love them, you know? So I, I feel that that's, it's just the way the industry has been working for years. And, and, you know, it's its worked out for companies. It's kept the smartphone industry growing. I don't know of a case where a leak has really affected a company. Can you guys give me an example? Uh,
2: you mean negatively affected or
1: positive? Negatively affected.
2: Um, hmm. Honestly, no. Yeah, no. I I think most even even with leaks, most people end up. It, it's because the imagination sometimes will kick in as well. You end up over promising. It's like with, with LG in a few years back, where we thought it was getting a certain type of CPU and it came out with a different one, but it wasn't because of the leak. It was just because we thought it was going in a certain yeah. direction. But no, generally leaks, uh, if anything, like you said, it keeps them in them in the news. It keeps them fresh and it keeps people thinking about them. Um, and it keeps us, uh, you know, excited about what's to come. Otherwise, it'll be like the, you know, we show up every once in a while, like you said.
1: Think about it. The, if, uh, you're, if you're Apple, if you're Apple, and your launch timeline is the fall, and your the Galaxy, the newest Galaxy is going to be launched early that year, leaks are going to be very convenient for Apple. Very convenient mm-hmm. for so, Apple. Yeah, no, definitely. for them, for them to not, for people not to consider jumping ship. I, I just love that the leaks literally start like the day
2: after the, the official announcement's made yeah, of the yeah. current iPhone. Let's We're starting talk to talk the about iPhone the iPhone 12. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, now we saw no, we, us- we finally got our hands on the latest device. But what's going to come next? You know, that's it's, always it's, a, it's,
2: it's just a way of It just all. how the rumor Yeah. No. Exactly. It, renders always come out. <laughs>
0: And on that note, thank you very much for watching the highlight reel of the Pocketnow Weekly and for listening to the full episode on your favorite podcasting app. Jaime is found at Jaime underscore Devetta, and TK Bay is found at TKDSL8655. I am at JV Tech Tea. You know me, I'm JV, I love tech, and I love to drink me some tea. Now is found at Now on Twitter and Instagram, and you can make your voices heard by emailing us at podcast at pocketnow.com. Leave some reviews and thoughts on the show across all the different podcasting platforms and including Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and anywhere you might be enjoying our show every single week. Hopefully the internet will cooperate as I bring you next week's show from Bohol in the Philippines once again. For now, though, we'll call it on this episode, and you can join us in our next episode.